0: Hey guys, how are you? Good, yeah, good. I mean, I assume you're telling me you're good. I, I assume you're telling me you're fine and lying, or telling me you're awful, and there's nothing I can do about it. But those are the hurdles we have in our lives. So today, a little different. Uh, episode two of Young at Concrete podcast. We've got a guest coming on. Guest is Dan Wilcox. He's a lovely man, young uh, young writer, emerging writer. He's, he's very good. I suggest you check it out. I'm sure we'll be plugging it within a few moments. But he's coming on, and we're going to chat about writing and the catharsis of writing and how how we both create and what that means and how the world is going within the writing world because it's it's a big subject it's, it's a large subject and i've been doing a lot of writing i've been doing writing excessively actually at the minute um i've found it a great way to just kind of vent emotion um which i've never really done before before i usually draw or i usually usually sketch um, i take photographs that kind of thing. But writing in terms of uh, fiction and, and, and poetry, that kind of thing, is something which I haven't done since I was in my senior senior school years. I was going to say my senior years, but I, I'm not quite the air yet. I, I know I look like I'm 80 years old and have the stylistic like tendencies of a hobo, but up to that point that's about the only similarity uh, i mean i go to the bathroom regularly and that is just one of the things which we will have to deal with and one of the things i'll have to keep on top of so until that is resolved here is my interview with dan wilcox i hope you enjoy it and i hope you get something out of it until then i'll talk to you guys later you ready yeah shape, good to go cool so uh obviously um Hello to everyone, and uh, I've got a guest with me today, and that is Dan Wilcox. Hello. Hello, Dan. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, what you do?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So I am Daniel Wilcox. I am uh, one of the lead authors of a publishing company called Hawk & Cleaver, uh, an independent publishing company. Um, I have been writing for about two, two and a half, I'd say about two years sort of taking it seriously Um, and write horror stories I've got uh, a novel out to my name now, Um, I'm the regular writer for uh, a podcast called The Other Stories which tells 15 minute fiction every Monday um, and is doing pretty well in the iTunes stores and um, I'm also one of the lead authors on uh, lead presenters on a podcast called The Story Studio where we uh, talk to basically anybody who's an independent creator and how they Work, their process, things that they're doing. See, just that's, tips
0: just, on. that's just really
1: intimidating. Now,
0: this is, this is like, <laughs> it's like episode two of this podcast. No, no, it's cool. It's
1: um, to be fair, I've never been on the other side of the microphone, so it's a whole new experience for me as
0: well. So, I think we're in good stead. I'll have to make it as intense as possible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just stare you down. Every single question, is, I lock you. That's fine. So I'll that's lock you back and. We'll, we'll, <laughs> hold, hold, hold this gaze, even though nobody can see this. <laughs> yeah.
1: But now I am, um, yeah, just try to keep myself busy, but uh, I'm kind of fiction fiction mad.
0: That's crazy. I mean, I'm kind think, thinking back to like when we met, which mm. was like six, it's got to be like eight years ago now. What we, 2017? Yeah, it would have been second
1: year of university, so 2011,
0: yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And I had no idea you were into writing.
1: I wasn't. Um. Well... Don't get me wrong, I was, but it was one of those things that I, when I was younger, I really was interested in it. I've always read books and I've always, I've, I was always a massive fantasy fan. Um, and it's only the last six years I kind of started getting more horror. Um, and it was actually Christmas 2014 I was given a Secret Santa present from a girl that I worked with, um, which was a copy of Stephen King's Everything's Eventual*. Have you read it? No. I no, it's basically a book of... About fourteen or so short stories, Right. and before then, I'd only ever read novels. It was kind of your generic Harry Potters. It was your um, Lord of the Rings. It was basically everything around Lord of the Rings. Um, a couple of Simon Koenig. So it wasn't kind of
0: genre specific. Would you hate me if I tell you I've never read all the Harry Potters? No, Good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel judged by a <laughs> few No, I judge you if you <laughs>
1: criticise them without having read them. I've read. I know a few people that do
0: that. I've read the, the first three. Yeah. And that, thats about it. I Have started you seen the fourth. The films? Yes, yeah. I've seen—I've seen the films due to now I hate you. due to other people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've—I've I've read the first three. I started the fourth one, and I—I I couldn't get past the first chapter. Really? Yeah. It just—I—I I started reading it, and I don't know if it was because I was quite young, but I was so bored to tears by that first chapter uh, that I just put it down. And I'm I'm never trying to remember the it. first chapter. It's that the one. one that takes place at like—it's not at Hogwarts. It's kind of outside. Cause it's the Goblet of Fire, isn't it? Yeah and it's like this prelude story. Oh, uh, it's the Voldemort thing. Yeah, I and it, it just seemed completely out of context for me. Yeah. And I, I just gave up. I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah, this no, very enough. I mean,
1: I read a book recently, which is... Kind of under the same principle, where the first book was fantastic and you follow three characters through it. Uh, it's called The Painted Man. Mm-hmm. And the sequel, I was really excited to read because I thought like, this first one was awesome. But the sequel, the first half of the book, it's not a small book, it's like 600 pages. The first half of the book is a, a, just a character they've introduced and his story up until the point that you were at previously. And I was a right. bit like, it's a bit excessive.
0: It's a little bit more. Yeah, it was kind of like, like half like, your book.
1: Yeah. But um, no, I read this book of short stories and then that kind of turned on a flame and I just thought I'd start trying to write shorts. Because I was, I was an editor uh, for two years for my own company um, and a proofreader and had a bit of time between projects. So I was like, I'll just write some stuff and it kind of just sparked
0: from there. That's cool. Yeah. That's, uh, I found that interesting because that's kind of what I want to uh, talk about today is this whole idea that, I mean, I, I, I'm i not a writer. I don't see myself as a writer. but I can I'm, argue against that. Well, this is kind of the <laughs> thing. Like, but at the same time, I'm writing prolifically right now I'm, i've got i'm not like at stephen king levels of a book in an afternoon but
1: yeah <laughs> i'm writing a fair amount
0: and it's kind of like i use it as as, as just like another medium hmm. as like the same as painting or like photography or anything like that i'm using it as kind of just like a cathartic activity Yay. and even though i'm writing fiction like I'm, I'm still doing kind of extra bits like poetry and stuff like that which i'd I say is more expressive hmm. but I'm writing fiction as a form of catharsis and I wondered if that is something kind of you you see or where you do within yeah. your
1: work? I mean I did that was kinda of how I got into it. So I kind of got into the mindset of I just want to write something. Um I've been it's kind of been in the back of my head for years and years, but pushed away by so many things and I just thought, you know what, I'll give it a go. And My first short story, or I'd say my first proper short story that I actually took seriously, was a a kind of form of cathartism. It was a story about um, a firefighter that gets vertigo and basically is being told that he can't work on the force anymore, which is literally the story of my grandfather. Um, He kind of tells it in different ways all the time, but I kind of took that as a a starting point and there was a competition that I thought, if I'm going to write, I want to write for something but I want to express myself and it was around the time I was kind of working out what genre I'd fit into, what I would write best Um, and then my first novella which I released uh, for Halloween 2015 that was fully cathartic, that was 16,000 words of I I don't even know where the idea came from it was set in the Old West and it was about uh, a demon that appears in a bar and just attacks people and it was one of those things that I just, I was just writing it for the hell of it. It was, yeah. why not? Um, I wanted to prove to myself I could finish something. I wanted to experiment with the horror genre. Um, I just found I really enjoyed it. And reading back it in now, there are certain bits where I would, I'd completely do the whole thing differently, but there are certain bits <laughs> where I look back and just go, you were just killing people for the heck of it, yeah. weren't you? It was just, Psh, just do it. Just, it's,
0: yeah. I think I think it's quite strange in a way. <clears throat> I mean, if you don't mind me saying, of. Yeah. I don't look at you and think horror. No. I just, I just don't. Like, it's like I've got another friend who is so into political literature and, like, maritime literature. Okay. And you look at him and you think, no, nope, you kind of just look like an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I think hey. there's a preconceived look of how people should be and i mean to be fair you look at people like stephen king yeah. you go he looks a bit creepy he does look a bit um people like he does look
0: like the kind of person who would watch you from a window yeah. on a street. <laughs> and you'd be driving fast and thinking i don't like that guy i don't know why i don't like that guy but i don't what like he that doing? Guy? Yeah. what's in his head you exactly. wouldn't want to know
1: what's in his head <laughs> um but then people like dean Koontz as well i think look a bit creepy um but then uh darren Shan. Who wrote the Vampire Blood trilogy and those other sort of kids horror books? Um, he was. I went to a Comic Con last year and he was actually there. And he's actually not that creepy looking. And I think there is a, a preconceived thing that horror writers should look grungy, look emo. But
0: <laughs> e- no, I don't know. I feel like I maybe that's how I see them, <laughs> <laughs> maybe because we feel like they embody their characters. Yeah, yeah, you feel right. like they've got to be yeah. vampiric. I mean, like you, you kind of look at Neil Gaiman and you think. Mm. Yeah, you you kind of you look like your characters. Like yeah. I imagine you, your characters to look yeah. like you a lot—leather coats and long hair and that <laughs> kind of thing.
1: Yeah, but I tell people that I write horror, and I get the same reaction. And you, my partner always makes a point of it scares me the stuff that you write because yeah. I'm not that person.
0: Yeah, I think it works both ways. though. I mean, in a way, I think sometimes people look at me, and they preconceive the type of things I've been into. Mm. I mean, obviously, I, I mean, since I dressed like I did when I was 16, because of the music tastes I had at the time, which was all heavy and metal and horror and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I've never grown out of that. So it's kind of the, the way I dress now is a mix of grunge and metal, but people who meet me, I tend to think, that they think that that's all i'm into yeah, yeah and then at the same time i'm like well no i also read like a shit sort of classic literature yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and find my days you know look i like gardening gardening's really th- therapeutic i find yeah and it's people are just like what i don't know <laughs> that i don't understand that yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: you find that everyone don't you people just yeah. do judge <laughs> judge a book by its cover yeah um but no i just I, I mean i wouldn't have you down as a gardener
0: no no I can knit as well.
1: To be fair, I probably the knitting thing I knew. Right. I think you told me about the knitting thing before. Right. How long have you been doing it for?
0: I don't know. I can like I don't do it often. It's, just something, it's like I know how to cross stitch. Just but what it's not something which kind of me. it's like oh, I forgot the materials around. I can you know, do a little bit of that. Make just a little, if I little cozy. Have two needles and yeah. a string of yarn. Same with cooking. You know, you just learn to do it, and then you only do it when you need to do.
1: it. Yeah. So, I uh, I I did a dot to dot this week. A dot to dot. Yeah, my uh, a friend for Christmas bought me a big book of talking dot to dot, and it's like 200 dots. Yeah. Surprisingly therapeutic. Because <laughs> I found them, um, since I have started doing all the writing stuff, I've definitely, and um, I can say this without a doubt, gained a bit of an addiction and become a bit of a workaholic. I'll, hmm. In the evenings when my son's gone to bed, I'll sit next to my partner and just work on my laptop and just do extra stuff. Yeah. In the mornings, at lunch, whatever. And I was kind of at the point this week where I was like, I need to take a break, but I don't know what to do. And I saw this book, and I just went, I'm I'm going to draw some lines on some paper and match some dots, and did that for about an hour.
0: <laughs> see, I don't know. I can't understand that in a way. I mean, it's like when you see those adult coloring books around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I I sit there and I have literally no idea who would purchase this. No, my partner partner's I have I loads. Could, of- I could not see myself sitting down and coloring that in, <laughs> and yet I sit and draw for like three hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah
1: i guess it depends what you're going for it's a good way to because that's what they're for isn't it it's de-stressing so for the dots to dot for me was i I don't really remember doing it i've now just got a picture of a swan well um -hmm. and some elves but it was (laughs) but when i came out of it my my head relaxed a bit because i'm constantly thinking of the next thing i'm constantly looking at i mean i've got um not to sound too self-effacing but i have like work and my son and then the writing stuff as well. I'm juggling so many plates at the minute that yep. sometimes it's nice to put them down and, and just have like a breather. Yeah, nothing yeah.
0: at all. Yeah. In a way. yeah, I could see that. I don't know. I think maybe I'm just if I if I do that, I always feel like a wasted time. That's the problem. That's... That that is a constant problem. Yeah, with and... writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, with anything. Really. Yeah,
1: I think it's a slow build. So I mean, in the beginning of my writing, I'd sort of maybe do about 300 words a week and be happy. Mm. Um, lately in the last... I mean, to be fair, I'm working on a book at the minute I'm a little bit because I co-write with good friend Luke Condor. He, um, we have kind of like soft deadlines, so we say we're aiming to get things finished at this day and I'm a little bit behind on this mm. one. Um, but the last week or so I've been doing about 3,000 words a day. Um, and that doesn't leave a whole lot of brain room. So when it comes to a friend saying, oh, let's go for a coffee. I mean not this <laughs> But when a friend says I oh, let's go. For the coffee. inner resentment what? being asked on the podcast <laughs> going gradually. <laughs> let's let's go and catch up with people. It's um there is a part in my head where I just go, Yeah, but I've got this to do and yeah. I could be doing this when sometimes you do have to learn when to say no, you need to live your life. <laughs> you need as to well. take that break. Yeah. It's it's it it's tough, but it's finding that balance.
0: Yeah. I think it, I don't know. For me creation has always been something which i do to relax the idea of producing something yeah is very relaxing so it's it's like i turn to to it even when i'm in moments of like oh, i need to be sad doing nothing mm. it's like yeah i need to be sad doing nothing but at the end of it i need to have yeah. something in front of me which went yeah i did that yeah it's why i mean yeah i, yeah, yeah. I used to play so many games but now i just can't because I'm just kind of stuck there going what, what do I get at the end of it? <laughs> oh, it's nice to find someone that shares that yeah. because I, I was the same I, I remember
1: when Skyrim came out in two. it was 2011 right the 11-11 was its mm. release date and I spent four or five days between lectures between work just playing that solidly and yeah. I look back at that now and think you could have been writing you could have been starting your journey early you could have been doing this 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 but that's one of the problems that I find with so I'm writing a novel at the minute um which is the first book in what's going to be at the minute plans to be a three book series Mm -hmm. um and it's coming out about ninety thousand words and you were saying then about you like to have something done at the end of Mm. it you don't get that in a novel it's you work for so i started editing it um because it's like the third of it's a fourth draft third draft third draft Um, and i started editing on the third of january and we are now on the 20th of February and every day has been just chipping away at that rock and chipping <laughs> away at that rock. And you get to a point where you're just like, ah, I need it done. I need yeah. I
0: need something." You want to put finish. it down and just walk yeah. away from it. So but you I'm, can't do that. No, and I'm, that. I'm
1: at that end point. I'm like, I don't want to rush the ending because then it ruins the whole lot. But at the same time, I just want it
0: fucking finished. <laughs> okay, I kind of get that. I mean, I do that uh, with like scripts. Mm. I'm terrible for writing scripts out of order. Like, because you, you kind of like you start your script and you think, oh, you know, I should probably plan the whole story, right? Mm. I should sit down and go, if this happens in Act One, this will like stack up, here's the finale, and that's how you should plan it, like writing your script. But I don't do that. No. I write an introduction because I'm amazing at writing introductions <laughs> because <laughs> opening scenes are the easiest thing to write in the world. That's where your passion is. That's yeah. where the idea like, stems oh, oh, yeah. from. Flooding this in, this is great. Like, and then Let's just do this. Man. You get onto scene two, and then you think, oh, yeah, but i really want to write that interrogation scene from five like five chapters down line. <laughs> so then i just write that scene yeah and then I, I put it to the side and i never go back to chapter three <laughs> and then it just becomes this fragment of of nothing which is yeah. attached not even attached to the introduction because it, it doesn't hold any of the same context <laughs> but there is something oh yeah something i've got something there i just yeah. need to figure out the middle Yeah, see that's one of the reasons I
1: found, I didn't even find a writing partner, it just kind of happened, but most of the stuff I work on now is with Luke Condor, and it's a case of um, when I was originally, so I started taking my writing seriously, I wrote a couple of shorts, I did my novella, and then I got on board with Hawk and Cleaver and kind of helped birth that and get things rolling. Um, But I got to a point where I was like, I want to know, I want my next project, one to be good, and one to be the start of something that we'll make some money because at yeah. the end of the day that's the whole point of running a business and getting this stuff going yeah. Now, I want to be full time in the future and <clears throat> I had about three or four different ideas and I'd started a couple um, I'd had ideas for a, a few but you get to a point where you suddenly go this is the idea
0: Yeah.
1: and this is what you have to stick to and this is all you're going to write yeah. until it's done which I think is one of the biggest struggles that any writing kind of faces. Like you say, you're starting a couple of chapters, or I've got three or four stories that I've got about twenty thousand words in, and then went, oh, piece of candy, and just and, <laughs> and jumped across. Um, but when I I started writing with Luke, it was a case of okay, now I'm partly responsible for yeah. someone else's success. Yeah. And we the the book we recently released, they Rot, was our first attempt at writing a book that was partially written, well, quite a lot written to market. So it was. Um, Short enough that we could write it quickly. It was a, a fast paced thriller, it's a post apocalyptic book, which is quite a big genre at the minute. Mm. Um, and it was a case of, yeah, I need that first draft done by then so I can do what I need to do, otherwise, this doesn't work. So it's good to push along. But I did, and I mean, I still do struggle with idea vomit yeah. now. I've got four or five things that I'm desperate to get to, that I'm just not letting
0: myself. I'm, I'm terrible for that. I've got like right now, I think I've got like nine projects on the go. Mm and it's awful yeah. like there was, I think it was not this weekend just gone on the one before that I spent the Sunday on my own doing things mm. and I was determined to do things throughout the entire day so I, I set up my day and I said right I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start on that project and then throughout the day I piggybacked from project to project to procrastinate productively <laughs> <laughs> so I'd start one thing I'd be drawing and thinking okay I'll draw this and then oh I'll stop that for a bit well, if I can write something now, so I write something. It was doing something. It was like nine projects throughout the day. Yeah, and that's terrible. Yeah. You'll never get anything finished doing it that way. And yeah, I'm awful for it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like that. It's not whole catharsis thing because the way I create is is usually quite uh, emotive, in some sense. That sitting down and going right, I need something which is marketable. Mm. I need something which I can make money from or people will buy. I it terrifies me. It's difficult. It's awful. But why does it terrify you?
1: is it the restriction on you know kind of running with your muse or is it I mean there was a fear when I started where I was like I'm writing something to market if it flops I failed
0: I don't think that terrifies me I think what kind of gets to me is I always feel that if I've sold something I've cheapened what I created yeah there's this this really pretentious part of me, which is like sits at <laughs> the back of my head with like a glass of port and some cigars. Yeah, and sits and goes, Plate "What are changes. you doing with your life?" And you kind of like sat there and going, "Right, so even if I draw something, I could create a poster and I like it, and it's something which I've been aiming to sell because I think you know that'll work great." Mm. As soon as it sells, I'm thinking, "This isn't art anymore. Yeah, this is just corporate bullshit." Ah. <laughs> and my brain just goes. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing this. You should stop doing this. Do something really, really shit that no one will buy. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> and then well, at least I've got my soul. Yeah, at least I've got I've kept my soul. I've kept cre- my creative edge yeah. running down. But at the same time, at the same, I'm thinking, I really want to get paid for creating. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. See, this is our battle. So the point, or one of the main aims of Hawk and Cleaver is in a minute is we're writing a lot this year. Like our plan is to have quite a few books between. There are four writers within um, Hawk and Cleaver and we want to make enough stuff that we can start building mm. income for all of us. Um so that in the long run we can get to a point where we stop and go, right? We're going to write the stuff we want to write, <laughs> which is hard. Like it's really difficult to commit to that idea. And yeah. it's when when I first originally met the other three guys from Hawk and Cleaver, it was very much a case of it just felt right. Mm-hmm. Like I'd not had that before. i have like done projects with people and I've looked at things and I've always just I've never trusted myself to let go or hand over the reins of a project. Yeah. But because it's for a bigger ship that we're trying to bring up. It's very much like it's contributing in every way. We're all doing our bit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've actually got <laughs> I've actually got a friend who kind of follows your line of thinking. Where he, a very prolific poet, he'll write a minimum of a poem a day. And he brags about this this notepad he's got <laughs> full of them. And to give him his credit, he's absolutely fantastic. Um And he's dotting around Lincoln, but I won't name him. And his. <laughs> He brought out a poetry book about a year ago and he was very eager to, to hand it to another friend who was able to push it a bit more for him because he's not very computer literate. And the minute he sold five copies he just he, he wanted to unpublish it. He was like, No, I don't like people were like, Oh, I've got your book, I've got yeah, your book and he was yeah. just like Give it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mine now. You you're devaluing so you, you devaluing not have yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's something I made. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How can you do that? But Which yeah. I get and yeah. it, it, I guess it depends at the end of the day what you're writing for, what you're what you're creating for what your yeah. process is and what you want
0: out of it yeah i think i don't know maybe in that that sense if i do ever write a book i should just put it in libraries yeah only in libraries never sell a single copy yeah just put it in libraries. let 70 year old people go to, to libraries <laughs> you, you never you never own the book you're just renting them yeah
1: or you can just just throw random chapters online in different oh, forums yeah. that's
0: that's one way to go and right? then see if I oh, oh, online. People connect it. I should just print it out, make paper aeroplanes. Yeah, and just fling them from my car every yeah. once in a while, and then you've got to piece it together. That and if you do piece puddle. it but together, I it. will just come steal the manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Because they never, never can anyone sneak over the whole your address story. into different sections. I'm terrible for that as well. And in sense of you know, you explain an idea to someone. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you come along and you think okay so I've got this, I've got this script or I've got this, this TV show or I've got this book and you think cool, I just take this, this to someone like a publisher hmm. and go you should publish this book I never want to explain the full story because within the stories I do I never want to tell everyone the whole thing I just constantly want to put red herrings yeah. everywhere so the idea of going and explaining to someone the entire thing all the way through and them knowing the complete story
1: defeats the point yeah
0: it's like, you can't do that and it's like well we, yeah. we need to know that to know if it's publishable. Well. it's like yeah but you're not meant to know that you're meant to read the book <laughs> yeah read it damn it read it yeah. <laughs> so there i shouldn't have yeah. to sit and explain this to you <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i tried writing the book proposal about uh a year and a bit ago and i yeah. was kind of just well two years ago and i was the same it was it comes to okay outline your book yep. um and i was like this and then oh but then maybe this and you're like no you have to tell them the story it's like, oh, but I, you, you because you haven't yet released it to the world you want to hold it back anyway yeah. and, and not tell the full thing and it's really difficult just going, kind of going this happens this happens this yeah. happens yeah. done um but i'm the same when it comes to just telling people so people find out that you write and then say oh what's your book around and you've written like thousands of words of oh this is awesome and this is like a lovely countryside and then yeah. this happens and then you just go. Uh, it's about a guy, a dog, in Kent, uh, post-apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of it. But I've also found it's <laughs> it's a case of your audience. So someone who, you know, so quite well. So I, I think I could explain my book to you yeah. more eloquently than I explained it to my nan last week. Oh, yeah, definitely. What's your book around? Um, the World's Gone to Hell. Yeah. It's a survival book. Yeah about a guy in Kent yeah oh okay
0: then she just trots on and makes a copy I can understand that I mean I've given up trying to explain art to my dad <laughs> <laughs> just trying to explain why why we do things or why you would want to do things he wants to understand but at the same time he won't understand because mm-hmm. it's, it's just not there yeah, it's just yeah. not quite there yet it's like when you draw things and I mean I, when I was a kid I used to draw like really violent things like if you, if you saw the drawings you'd be worried if these were your kid my parents were worried it's like a Rosh test it's a knife yeah kind of like I drew loads of knives and I always added blood to things and I I did it because I thought it was cool there was nothing susceptible behind it it was just kind of there and then my grandson and she was like why do you add blood to everything and I was like I don't know (laughs) I just do (laughs) it's like you never really want to have to explain yourself you just want someone to accept that and go yeah that's that's,
1: that's it's like when your mother goes is there swearing in your book and you just go yes get over it but I know loads of people that struggle with that. Like yeah. Showing or just putting out to the world. That's why people use pseudonyms and, and pen names just to yeah. avoid that conflict. Like I know people that write erotica that and they can't admit that to their parents, understandably. But could you... If, if my son came to me in like 16 years time and went, Dad, I've written a book. And I'd go, oh, really cool. It's like, it's erotica. The last thing I'd want to do is read my son's version of erotica. Do you know what I mean? That would be, be weird.
0: It would, but in some... I don't know if some dark part of me would want to read that. <laughs> <laughs> I must understand kids these days. I just, oh, just, that's that. just, I just kind of think. <laughs> oh, it's a pop-up book. I don't think you should ever like as much as you like being afraid of having to explain to someone. I don't think you should ever be afraid to put something out there. Oh sure, yeah. Like yeah. you should always just kind of ignore every. I mean, it's something I talked about. And another thing of the amount of people who I know who feel they can only write one genre or mm. draw one genre, and they're they're kind of they feel typecast. And if they did anything outside of that, they would lose audience. Yeah. I'm like, that's terrifying. I would never want to be in that situation where I couldn't, I feel like I couldn't produce something and put it out into the world mm. because it's this is what's expected of me. I'd probably do that more often because of it. Yeah. Because I'd be like, well, no, I'm not going to sit and be in that little line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in a way, success kind of worries me in that sense because if you did get published, and you went to a publisher, yeah. and they said, no, you have to tow this line. Yeah, 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 You have to be down this low. It's like, kind of like when you see boy bands, and they go, no, no, you can't have a girlfriend, because you have to be solo. You have to yeah. be available for the fans. And you're like, well why would you even want to put yourself in that situation? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, because they're paying you. (laughs) (laughs) Because they came along with a bag of money and just threw it at you and you went, yeah, you know what, I'm fed up with being broke.
1: (laughs) Sign it away, done, I'm rich, but God, I'm lonely. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's that's one of the reasons that I've gone for indie publishing, to be fair, and it's one of the things that... um, I, I can't think of a case in which I'd want to be traditionally published anymore unless it was completely under my terms and you don't often get that when you start out so I have when I started I bought the Writers and Artists yearbook which has lists of all publishers and contests and things that you can get involved in for um, trying to put your stuff out there and I wrote a couple of applications but then the minute I, I self-published Sins of Smoke and then got involved with the Hawk and Cleaver guys I straight away saw this light where I was like yeah it's a harder road but at least i will be able to do the things that i want to do and yeah. not be bound by other people's deadlines other people's ideas of what i should do and um just go from that i can't imagine now i mean maybe i don't, I don't know years down the line i've got a book and i might yeah. put some of it out for traditional just to generate more of an audience but not unless it was on my terms and
0: went from that yeah i think maybe i don't know in a way because <clears throat> i got thinking about um kind of popular publishers now Mm. and like popular authors and i find there is this gap between 40 and up and their 20s of authors in the middle and Mm. i think it's because our generation is doing that is doing more independent publishing so big publishers are going for younger people who haven't realized it yet get them out the gates Yeah. yeah it's kind of like when you see musicians like you it's very rare someone gets picked up when they're like 25 to 30 Mm. You have either made it or you're going to make it when you're about 30. Yeah, yeah. So they go for 19-year-olds because like, oh, you're in school. So we can pull you out of school and we can give you all this money and they we give you a record deal. The world, yeah, 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 you you can you can be famous and that's mm. what you want, right? Yeah. So that's that's clearly your end point game yeah. if you're an artist. It's like it's kind of terrifying in that sense.
1: It's like kiddie snatching.
0: It is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's corporate ch- child yeah. snatching. <laughs> Except they don't roll up in a large van with a hook nose. And maybe they do. I hope they do. That'd be... If I saw a large man outside my house with a guy with the hook nose rolling out in a net, I'd be worried. Just, just
1: carefully lock the door, back away, draw the curtains. Yeah. Now, I um, I read a, I read or heard a story, I can't remember, recently about uh, an independent publisher who managed to get a traditional publishing deal, mm-hmm. um, but. The funny part about this story was that once they got the traditional publishing deal, and obviously normally what that entails is people take your script, they edit yeah. it, they proofread it, they market it, they do everything for you. That's mm-hmm. what they're supposed to do. They don't always. Yeah. Um, but apparently, this company just said to him, "You've already got quite a big audience. Yeah. Do you want to just use those?" And this guy was like, "Are, are you kidding me? Like, what am I? What am I getting from you yeah. if you're not giving me?" What do anything? I pay but, for? but in the independent authors, are getting to a point where they have these massive lists and. Actually, some of them by themselves are a lot better than smaller publishing companies at generating an audience, keeping them on and keeping them interested because you can be more personal. I think nowadays, in general, people are responding more to personality than they are to to names. So, I mean, unless you are huge like Bloomsbury or Penguin or the Big Five, people are looking for people they can relate to, people that are coming out with stuff regularly. It's why people... um, Donate to people on Patreon to support them, even though mm. they don't really look into the rewards. It's why yeah. people follow people's um, newsletters and stick around with them. It's because people want to identify with the person, yeah. and there's something rewarding in seeing someone grow. Mm-hmm. So if you can say that I was the first fifty yeah. on this person's list, and now they've got six thousand people behind them, there's something in that where you just like, no, I got
0: there first yeah I've got that with a couple of a uh, couple of youtubers mm. who back when I was doing YouTube regularly, they were people I regularly spoke to yeah, and yeah. now they're huge they're like they're massive people, and I've still got them on Facebook and it's like you see them like repeating their stuff and going oh yeah, I'm doing this, and you're thinking, that's pretty cool, yeah yeah, yeah. it's that little connection
1: yeah yeah. And
0: yeah I don't know it's it's i think it's nice to see it's a nice to see kind of like a different future yeah of how I've... creation could go
1: yeah, and there's definitely a more of a kinship, I think. Yeah. Um, where, like you say, you keep friends with these people and there's, I mean, there's always going to be some jealousy in the community, but yeah. you're not jealous of these people per se. I mean, maybe as a part of you, it's like, I, I could do that and I know a few people that have done some stuff where I'm just like, oh, I wish I could have stuck with things a bit more. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, you tend to find that people congratulate each other's success and mm. the attitude towards it is quite nice. I've not come across too many people that are vicious or yeah sort of disrespectful with it most people tend to be oh well done give you a pat on the back and, yeah. and just
0: raise you up i think yeah i think that's that's the only way you can be really is not is never to otherwise it's toxic <laughs> yeah. it's that thing of people comparing themselves to other people mm. if you can't do it it's like we can look right now and there'll be you know 500 authors who are younger yeah, yeah, yeah. more attractive better teeth yeah <laughs> you <know. laughs> and yeah. you kind of sit there and think, why, shit, why aren't I that? And then you realize, oh, wait, yeah, because we didn't have the same life. Yeah, yeah. You know, cause it's, I that am, opportunity. Yeah. it's that opportunity. It's that um, thing, of, I can't remember who said it online, of I think it's from Bob Burnham. And he's, he's saying how you get kind of Taylor Swift and that she's one in a million. Like she's one yeah, yeah, one I've thing in a million. This, yeah. And you can't sit there and her telling you to go follow your dreams is <laughs> insignificant. Yeah, yeah. Isn't, but,
1: he's talking, is it Jimmy Fallon show or something? Yeah, something yeah,
0: yeah. like that, yeah. And yeah, it's no, just, I I just keep
1: trying. It's like, oh yeah, just work your dreams. No, no, I was lucky and I'm a straight <laughs> white male. <laughs> it's,
0: just, it's purely down to luck. Yeah, it's yeah. luck and perseverance, though. Mm. There's got to be some level of perseverance.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people that tend to be quite bitter are people that did give up and people that didn't yeah. follow it. And my ethos at the minute is as long as there's still growth, we're mm-hmm. still doing something right. Yeah. So with Hawk and Cleaver, our, our social media numbers are still going up, our sales are increasing all the time not huge numbers but enough that it's it feels worth it and we know that we're kind of doing some stuff right Mm. um but yeah as long as you're moving forwards and know what you're going for i think that's helpful and it's not for everyone not everyone will have that thick skin that tolerance to be able to push push um to be fair i don't know where it came from for me because a year even a year ago yeah it was a case of all right, twenty minutes here. Yeah. Oh, I've not written enough. Oh, I'm so crap. La la la. Yeah. Um, but now, like I say, I kind of I make a point of getting up early. I've gotten into the habit of doing these things and, and rolling on. I'm, I'm tired all the time, <laughs> but it's people can change. But it's not
0: for everyone to pursue. I think that's a, that's a <clears throat> that's a nice sentiment though. If you're progressing, you're, you're doing something. Oh hell yeah! So yeah, you've yeah. got to keep moving forward. I think that's a nice point to end yeah, on. As yeah. well. I think yeah yeah yeah. I yeah. like that. Right, we'll leave it there well thank you for coming and chatting to me Dan no thank you for having me it's fine bye obviously send me links and stuff and we'll plug your products because that's what we do (laughs) (laughs) but yeah thank you very much and uh, Dan Wilcox everybody cheers